What's going on, everybody? My name's Hakeem Vallis, and I'm here with my co-host, Matt Choi, and this is the REI Marathon Podcast, where we believe that real estate investing is a marathon and not a sprint, and we talk about the ups and downs of real estate investing, focusing on multifamily. Matt, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. I'm actually out here in Des Moines checking on one of our apartment buildings. Um, and we have the pleasure of having Ian and Michelle McGinnis here. And it's Michelle's birthday let's today. Go, let's June go. 17th. And she's she's uh, welcomed her presence on her birthday to come on our second episode, which is awesome. Um, and actually, Ian and Michelle just closed on a fourplex in Austin, Texas. Um, how I'm are you guys really doing today? I'm excited to be here yeah. on my birthday. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having us. Awesome, awesome. So if you guys can, can you just give a quick background on how you guys met and uh, what got you guys started in real estate? Um, so, I mean, we met in New York City. And then, I mean, yeah, so then we kind of started dating. Yeah, I mean, and, we, we were together for uh, two and a half years in New York before moving to Austin. Yeah, we were together for two and a half years. And basically, I had just finished grad school. I never paid rent in my entire life. And then I moved him <laughs> Ian into a studio, tiny little apartment, and paying two hundred and no two thousand three hundred and fifty dollars for a studio. Not even in Manhattan. Mm. <laughs> mm, yeah. That's New York for you. Yeah, you can, and you can like, spread your arms out and touch all the walls. Basically, <laughs> and I was like, no, I can't do this. Like, we need to figure something out. So I started um, just looking at different. Um, properties in New York City just to see how much money I needed to save um, to not pay rent anymore. And then from there, I started um, immediately also looking up different loan options um, because I work in education. And then I started discovering so many different types of options, you know, for people that don't want to, don't necessarily have 20%. Um so yeah, that's kind of how everything started. But then I realized that even putting 3% down in New York City We're was... We're never going to really get that. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> gosh, yeah, it's a lot. And the return is close to nothing. Right, exactly. So our returns would have never given us like... It would have never given us cash flow or or any of the... The numbers would never add up, basically. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Gotcha. Can you guys awesome. kind of go, I guess, before we kind of go even a little bit deeper into real estate, kind of a little bit back into like, so Ian, yourself as well, a little bit back into your background, like where you're from, like where you were born and where you kind of grew up, just to kind of give the uh, the audience just a little bit of context. Yeah, sure. So I, I was born and raised in England in, in Liverpool and uh, basically kind of moved down to London. It's a similar market there to kind of New York. It's very expensive, very high cost of living. And um the, the high cost of living was actually what drove me to move over to New York City. Um, it was a good job opportunity with a financial conference company, um, which I'm working with now. And basically, um, it was a good step up in salary by moving there. But along, like Michelle kind of alluded to earlier, um, it does have its challenges. So um, I'm not I'm not afraid of moving to new places. So me and Michelle decided to take the plunge and move here to Austin City, uh, to Austin, Texas, where we live now. Yeah, and then for me, I'm actually from um, the Bronx, Bronx, New York, and um, my parents are from Dominican Republic, 
So I was born and raised in New York City um, and always living in that tiny little apartment living um, with really high rents. So that's kind of why I also decided to look for other markets with better returns. Absolutely, absolutely. Can you guys kind of transitioning into real estate from there, you know, it kind of tells you guys can kind of got, you know, you got motivated um, to get into real estate, but obviously New York was, you know, way too expensive of a market. What kind of, uh, you know, forced you guys to move down to Texas? Was that because of work opportunities with you, Michelle? So I'm actually a speech language pathologist, which is really funny. Um, so it has nothing to do with um, real estate at all. I actually just help kids with disabilities communicate. Um, wow. Yeah, so really it, it kind of just fell onto us because I, I just was annoyed that I kind of had to pay these high rents in New York. And I love to read. I love to just acquire knowledge. And that kind of also was one of the things that kind of led me through this journey because it, in the midst of me trying to figure out the best way to um, get my deposit in New York City, I started going to the library and just getting free books on real estate and then like learning through YouTube, through different podcasts. I started joining forums, um, Facebook groups. I mean, literally any book like you don't even have to read an entire book you could just skip through the important chapters um and then from me just trying to buy uh an apartment in in new york city it kind of just opened my eyes to this whole world of multifamily um homes so kind of from that i i was looking at different places anyway and and part of that kind of fed into it and I started reading a lot of positive things about Austin as a place in terms of it being one of the fastest growing cities in America. Um, it's got, obviously it's got the University of Texas, UT, and it, it has some of the major kind of blue chip companies like Dell, um, the Oracle campus, Google, um, a bunch of different big tech companies basically that were all kind of looking to expand their campuses within Austin as well. Um, so Apple have, just announced another, a new kind of billion dollar campus that they're building up north and uh, there's also uh, the MLS soccer team Austin FC is launching next year so a lot of positive like fun things and it's meant to be like a nice place to live if you're young um, there's a lot of good bars and restaurants and things like that so and the nature aspect of as well coming from New York if you can go from kind of six or seven months of winter to a place that's kind of uh, sunny and beautiful year round, then that was kind of appealing as well. So the combination of those two things, it kind of lined up nicely because Michelle was saying, I don't, I don't see how we'll ever afford to kind of buy a property in New York. And I was like, well, for what we'd buy for a, a kind of a duplex, uh, sorry, a studio apartment in New York, we could get like a two, three, four bedroom house in Austin and cash flow, and cash flow as well. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes. That makes 100% sense. Sounds like you guys kind of came to a, to an agreement, but you guys are very practical about deciding what city you guys were going to move to. Yeah, I mean, it, it really, um, doing your research on different markets is really important and, and seeing where, um, well, for me, like seeing 
where the um where how fast the city is growing you know because obviously you want if you're going to buy property um you want to know that it's going to be rented out that you can increase rent um that the that the value of the property will go up and and things like that got you that makes 100% sense you got to be practical about you know market research and deciding on that things so that's awesome yeah so i mean so then we came on vacation and we met with a realtor and she seemed nice um and then from there we decided to move in august yeah. basically um well we came in march we moved in august and um we were kind of looking at different properties but that's when i started even digging even more into the whole house hacking that's when i learned about house hacking and basically that's mm. where you buy either a duplex or a fourplex and you live in one of the units for either really ideally for free while your tenants pay for your mortgage um what turned out happening was that yes is a fast growing city but um it became a seller's market because so many people are moving here that and there's not enough inventory so house hacking okay. and and generating that cash flow and living for free wasn't so easy to do easy yeah. yeah and then it turned out that our realtor just had no experience in what we were looking for at all Mm, yeah. That's uh that's mm, rough. Yeah, she was just showing us nothing but kind of one bedroom apartments or kind of just things that were just kind of easy for her to push us towards and yep. a bunch of a bunch of a bunch of junk. I kind of I really actually experienced that when I was uh when I was back when I was in the NFL, people a couple of realtors were trying to almost take advantage of me because they didn't think I knew what I was talking about when it came to real estate. So kind of like, yeah, you should buy this property. I'm like uh, it's kind of it's kind of junk, <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Well, this real actually <laughs> nearly forced us into kind of buying something that was junk. Basically, we were we've been looking for a while, and we found a duplex that was in a, in a good location, but it was pretty. It needed a lot of work, and as first time buyers, neither of us have any kind of connections here or any experience in kind of construction or anything like that. Mm -hmm. It was going to be like a huge task. And I like, I work in sales. So obviously I, I know how to negotiate and I know that like you should never go in with your, your highest offer first, just basic principles like that. But she was trying to like, she basically said she nearly flat out refused to use my opening bid. Eventually I relented and just basically went with hers and they accepted it immediately. And I was like, that's annoying because they definitely, oh my God, <laughs> they accepted our first yeah. offer. And then at that point, <laughs> that's the just, worst. We, we started to, we, we, um, we started to do like the, the kind of the survey to see what it would look like in terms of fixing it up. And it was at that point, it was the money pit. It, yeah, it was a money pit. We just did, decided it was never going to work this, this one. And it was like kind of after that happening, we, we decided we needed to get a new realtor. Yeah, we basically fired her. And uh, um, one important lesson, I guess, that we were, um, it, we learned was always trying to buy in A markets, which means like, you know, really fast growing markets, but buying B or C properties, like properties that need 
updates that need you know cosmetic cosmetic um of fixes that's kind of where that that was like the the what we were looking for um specifically but she showed us something that found it had foundation issues yeah, it needed a new roof it needed a new roof everything was falling apart i mean it was it was just completely horrible so as first time home buyers that's not what we were looking for we didn't want to put like a year you know into it or like however amount of time into it we just wanted something where we could just still put our own into it yeah, but like if it, needed, if it needed a new bathroom or a new kitchen fair enough but we weren't ready to kind of fork out fifteen thousand dollars for a new roof or um pay for somebody to kind of redo the the foundations or anything like that so after after that happened we um we ended up doing like more research on finding the right realtor like not just kind of anybody off the street and somebody who specialized more in kind of investment properties and things like that so uh, we ended up finding an amazing realtor off kind of an investment um, real, to, real estate investment podcast like, forum. Yeah, like a forum. Um, yeah. Oh, off of, which forum was that? That was Bigger Pockets. Yeah. Oh, nice. That's how I found, that's how I found my, 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 my realtor for my first. Oh, nice. Play. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it's really important to to do your due diligence and like do your research on on who you're gonna work with. You know, interview them, ask them questions because not every realtor understands this this whole you know multifamily buying and all of this yeah the intricacies around yeah, it, yeah. And, absolutely and this guy was great because he's obviously act, he's actively investing in the austin area and flipping houses and building his own portfolio and things like that so it was it was great to work with somebody who was kind of on the ground and he had quite a bit of um kind of construction experience as well so yeah. that was kind of handy when he, when we were looking at properties. He knew like how much work needed to be done and things like that. Yeah, and, it's, and he's going in as with the mind of an investor, not like trying to make the highest sold price just so he can get that transactional buck. Basically, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then we we were really strategic in that we really wanted to buy in the winter because um, and the winter is where the uh the property prices are lower because there's less people mm. trying to um, buy during that time. There's more room for negotiation. So there's more room for negotiation. But at the same time, there was a lot less um, inventory on the market. So mm -hmm. that was annoying because we just couldn't find anything. Well, yeah, there was a point in kind of November, December time that we basically would keeping tabs on anything that came on the market and just kind of seeing it and it was very few options out there there was one fourplex that we went to see that was kind of perfect it was two bedroom and all four units um didn't require that much work probably needed some cosmetic. some cosmetic touches but it was it was pretty good so we end up making an, a couple offers on that but losing out to all cash buyers um, and then there was another one that yeah, you the, found. Yeah, so also we were looking into foreclosures 
listings every day. I actually just um, did like a free trial every. I did like a free trial every single like seven days or every like no every month. <laughs> yeah, so foreclosure dot com. Right? Yeah, foreclosure Yeah, so I never actually paid for it, but um, that's where I found a, a foreclosure listing. And our realtor again was wonderful in that he was able to find out the dirt on the the sellers and mm. so because it was an in a location again it just needed cosmetics it was perfect it was perfect um but um and it was way under or like underpriced because it was a foreclosure so mm-hmm. there, it was so competitive. Everyone, all cash buyers and everything. So we decided, based on the information that um, the our, our realtor gave us about the sellers, to write a letter to the sellers. Yeah. So we mm. we we went with our like highest possible offer, and then wrote them like a really like nice letter, kind of talking about how much it would mean to us and how it's the perfect home for us to build a family. Just kind of sell them on a bit, bit of a story, basically, to if if we were close or thereabouts, and maybe they take us over somebody who's like maybe five to ten k more, because we we said that we weren't going to mess them about when it came to closing, trying to bring the price down to negotiate anything like that. We we wouldn't kind of mess them about. We were serious buyers that really wanted this house. So in the end, that's awesome. Yeah, in the end, it didn't work. It didn't work. But... <laughs> We were, we were, um, we were the backup. Se- yeah, we were their second option. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. At least, at least you know that that letter actually at least meant something. Yeah. yeah. But um, we started to lose hope after those last three kind of not panning out, particularly the fourplex because we were like we ended up bidding above what their kind of listing price was, and mm. uh, still didn't get it because these all cash buyers came in. So um, mm. we were pretty, we were pretty bummed about that, and but. I'd say we were on vacation in. Uh... So yeah, so there was um, that fourplex that we we lost against um, the the, the, cash, buyers, the yeah. cash buyers while we were on a vacation in Dominican Republic, actually looking for wedding venues for yeah. us mm. to get married. <laughs> nice. Um, our realtor actually found us an off-market deal. Yeah. In the same neighborhood, on the same street, on the same street as the one yeah. that we had just lost. Um, but because we trust, th- this is why having a good realtor is so important. Because because we trusted him, he was able to kind of get the the ball rolling essentially while we were away. We were away. He sent us pictures, mm. and then he was able to even speak to our mortgage lender and just you know meet with him and everything while we were away which we've forgotten to talk about that the whole mortgage um aspect of it that's a a whole other yeah that's that (laughs) yeah like our problems are yet to begin (laughs) um so basically um basically he found us this off-market fourplex on the same street as the one that we really wanted and we actually when we went to view the other fourplex i pointed at this one and said oh i wish this one looked as nice as that one because like the curb appeal of the other the one that we end up getting was so much more nice it was beautiful oh wow um, like they've got like cobblestone like brickwork on the front uh, and closing the stairwell so it's out of view whereas the mm-hmm. other one the stairwell was kind of 
right out in the open and the outside just, it was exposed it just didn't look very nice so like it was kind of ironic that i pointed at this one saying oh i wish i <laughs> wish it looked as nice as that one and i even said like do you think we could build out like the still world to cover up like theirs and she was like no it's probably too expensive <laughs> so like we were really still happy wind up getting he found this off-market deal and um, we ended up kind of bidding just below kind of just below what their asking price was like five thousand below and then um during the um during the kind of closing period we negotiated further down and got i think another 15k off and got them to replace the roof and do some other kind of um cosmetic fixes within the property so we ended up re- being really happy with it but then as we kind of alluded to during that process um the two like we were working throughout the whole way with a, a, a local lending company here in Austin. And the guy was great to work with. I really trusted him, thought he was really good at his job. Um, but we end up kind of during this closing period, shit comparing his rates to like, we, I already did some comparisons when I was doing my research and spoke to a bunch of different lenders. But while we were in uh, Chase, we were doing um, some kind of other banking. The, the guy we were speaking mm-hmm. to was like, oh, you're buying a house. Well, let me just kind of compare our rates. So he came in, he, he ended up blowing this local lender's interest rate out the water and offering a better option. So I went back to this guy and said, is there anything you can do? Try, basically played them off each other to see what the best thing Absolutely. Could and yeah. um, he ended up kind of offering something that was nearly as good as the Chase guy and I probably would have gone with him. Um, but basically... Um, during this process, we end up finding out that the FHA loan that we were, we'd, we basically told them from the get go is what we wanted to do. So we could only put kind of between three or 5% down. Um, he, it was only in this closing period, he basically ended up finding out that I didn't qualify because I'm English and I'm on an E2 visa. I don't have a green card here. And that alone uh, basically means I can't use the FHA scheme. Mm. Yeah, and um, but not only that. Even if I had a visa, uh, a green card, we also didn't um, pass the self-sufficiency test, which is a pretty basic requirement of the of an FHA loan for a multifamily property of like four units. And the fact that and he didn't know, lenders, none of the lenders yeah. knew that, and I couldn't believe it got to the closing period for anybody to realize that between both Chase and the local lender, neither yeah. of them got all of it. Yeah, how how far were you guys along to the process? Like when that a was few days out? before closing. Yeah, this was probably the oh. week of closing. Yeah, yeah. You guys and have paid for inspection at all already? Yeah, we've already paid for inspection. Oh. We already paid for everything. So, like at this point, because we we basically thought we'd lost the property because it's a it's it's a fourplex. We don't have the deposit to put twenty percent down. Um, every other mortgage option we'd looked at was twenty percent down. Uh, we didn't qualify for Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, uh, Home Possible. We've done, done thorough research on mortgages as well. So, like, at this point, we pretty much thought we'd lost it. Um, we, were, we basically mourned the loss of, yeah. of the property. And we, 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 were, we were looking into moving to Florida because we, we thought at this point we'd exhausted Austin. We'd looked for a full year, hadn't found anything as close to this. And if this one wasn't going to work, pretty much nothing would. Um, so... Wow. We were talking to our um, realtor, and he he couldn't believe that the the lenders who we, we've been speaking to couldn't find a solution for this. He was like, "Well, use use my 
mortgage lender um he works with on his properties and he had mentioned her to us but we didn't use her because we'd been so far along the process with this other yeah. local lender so mm-hmm. um donna who he works with ended up being an absolute rock star mm-hmm. at her job she was amazing she's she like we we laid it out, out to her sent her all of our kind of information to kind of verify and start the process but she ended up finding a really obscure local bank that had this scheme that allowed us to only put 10 percent down instead of the full 20 and um the interest rate was a little bit worse it was it went from like 4.5 or 4.7 to 5 percent so it wasn't even that much worse that much um the numbers still work though yeah the numbers numbers still still worked worked really well especially because now we're putting 10 percent down so and I guess yeah, actually yeah, meant that we cash flow more, even more, yeah. So, mm, so basically, the mortgage payment was less. Yeah. yeah, the mortgage payment. Basically, the mortgage payment is thirty six hundred, and right now the rents are below market value, and they're at forty two hundred, but they can go as high as forty six hundred, which means that we're cash flowing. Be- right now currently 800 but we have the potential to cash flow a thousand yeah and is that with you guys living there as well no that would be if we would to rent the whole all four four units currently while we're living here we're our out of pocket for us for our rent is four hundred dollars oh that's awesome yeah that's awesome that loan pay down yeah is a part of real estate that a a lot of people um just don't even realize well, especially not until you're at least a part of the game you know yeah and then the way that we're calculating is like even living here we were paying 2100 so we're automatically saving 1700 dollars every month every yeah. month so the the down payment of the 10 percent that we paid we're gonna get it back just by not paying rent yeah mm-hmm. you know so it just had a lot of benefits Absolutely. And I feel like as soon as you guys decide to incorporate the, the Airbnb strategy as well, I think you're going to be into that that area of oh, cash flow positive. Yeah. Speaking of um, Airbnb. So throughout this whole process, we actually were Airbnb um, in our other unit. And it's really random the way it happened. I was um, um, just riding Uber and the guy was like, oh, there's a bunch of festivals here in, in Austin. He's like, oh, I made $1,000 um, during ACL weekend. And we we're like, what? That's so much money. Like, we have a spare room. And I decided to just put a price for a room and it booked instantly. And then I kept wow. increasing the price. So oh, I went up to on during the festival, I went up to like for just one room. For up to $150 plus cleaning fee per night, and it was still getting booked. That's amazing. So we were actually making like about $1,000 a month through Airbnb just... Um, just the weekends, when, yeah. we, when we'd usually be out anyway. So like, I'd say probably 80% of our guests we didn't even see most of the time. We basically only really Airbnb on, on the weekends when we're out and about. 
people would just basically come home kind of Friday or Saturday night and we wouldn't really see them. So, and this is at your place back in New York or is this, no, in, this is the place this that we're at a, a bedroom in your, in your fourplex. No, this was the, because before we bought the fourplex, we were renting a two bedroom. You're renting. Yeah. Got you. In Austin. In Austin. Got yeah, you. Well, yeah. That makes sense. For, for yeah. The- That's awesome. Yeah. So like it helped us just kind of raise even a little bit more money that, to be honest, going towards the wedding, but <laughs> that was just like extra cash that we didn't even think of uh, finding, and Airbnb's just been amazing for that. Yeah, like I highly recommend Airbnb. It's been wonderful. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I kind of when I uh, my my four unit in Arizona when I got cut from the Arizona Cardinals and went to the Lions, I took the unit that I used to live in and Airbnb'd it, and it, it made double. Like it, it would have rented for seven fifty. But with Airbnb, depending on the time of the year, it would it would make well, between fourteen hundred and two thousand every single month, like consistent. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm excited for you guys. That's awesome. Yeah, definitely. And I guess the moral of the story too is just having a rock star team. You know, because we wouldn't even, you know, be able to come this far if it wasn't for finding the right realtor. And finding the right mortgage lender. Yeah. Also. Yeah, you so, need both. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Would you recommend to people now, like moving forward, like because one thing that I do actually recommend to people, like when people ask me to get started, I, I usually recommend to find a realtor through Bigger Pockets, the same way you guys did it, and ask that specific realtor who their mortgage person is because they usually if they're an investor type of realtor they usually have just such an amazing lender so i was wondering if you guys are gonna moving forward gonna give a lot of advice to people to kind of take it that way yeah i mean definitely i think it kind of depends on we just had such a negative experience with our first realtor and she gave us a list of mortgage lenders which were pretty bad yeah that should have been a red flag mm-hmm. from the get-go like but the- mm. but yeah so so you i think you should go based on the recommendation from a, a realtor that you trust that you really Absolutely. trust and still you know still interview everyone um no matter what you know just always be a little bit cautious i guess Oh, and of course, make sure that you're um, that you're ready to take out a mortgage, which is another huge thing. I mean, there it, there's a list of things that you must do before you even try to take out a mortgage to ensure that your credit is um, is up to par. Because the better your credit is, the better mortgage rate you're gonna have. Yeah. So, and that actually, I didn't even remember this. I it just came up. I actually, um, my mother needed to um, use my, uh, I was her co-signer for her car um, uh, payment, and she didn't pay on time. She missed a month, just one Mm. month, but it lowered my credit score to the point that I actually didn't qualify for good um, uh, mortgage rates. Yeah. So, and so I went through throughout this whole journey of how everything we talked about, I was also working towards getting those numbers back up through writing letters to the, um, 
the credit bureau. The credit bureau and mm, and the debt collectors. Yeah, the collectors and explaining my situation. I got denied several times and then I kept I actually wrote a complaint to um like the head of Toyota. Yeah, I I I, <laughs> I, I tried to through Toyota. I tried, I tried, I wrote so many letters, didn't work. So I wrote a complaint against them. To, oh, on the to, better business bureau. On the better business bureau. And then mm. once um they and apparently I don't know they they must have received a letter or something because then I got a lot another letter randomly saying that they're gonna fix my credit. So that's awesome. They don't want they don't want that complaint. <laughs> yeah, better business bureau is great <laughs> if you've got any kind of complaint against any kind of company. Yeah, because that's what that's when they start to feel a little bit threatened. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so and then that was how I was able to then join the mortgage. Thankfully, because. Ian couldn't do it on his own since he because of the visa situation. Yeah, even the one we ended up going with needed an American on on the mortgage. They wouldn't just allow mm. somebody on a visa. So, gotcha. There's Man, so many rough. things you have to have in mind before you even kind of jump in. It's but so. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Troy, are you still there? Oh, it sounds like my co-host must have gotten knocked out somehow. Um, but I'm, I'm going to kind of continue to keep going so it doesn't, uh, so, so we don't lose the actual, the uh, the whole line of recording. But do you guys have another job? Like, as, like I know yours. You know, you're a speech pathologist, and Ian, you're um, you're working with the different conferences, financial conferences. Mm-hmm. Like, is real estate something that you plan on doing full time, or is this like just something that's you know going to be kind of a part-time thing that you guys do at your job or something that you want to plan on transitioning into doing full-time yeah i think i think it's definitely something we want to carry on pursuing and we're going to keep buying real estate that was one one of the reasons why it was so important that whatever we buy uh cash flows and can basically support itself and we can get rents that cover the mortgage uh fully and then give us a bit money as well so um we we wanted to keep buying real estate and it's something that we'll probably keep doing as, as long as we can. And if we get to the point where the real estate cash flow can support us, then that'd be amazing. And we can yeah. basically retire early. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I guess for me, what I'm mostly looking for is financial freedom and financial independence. Um, so not necessarily, um, not working because I need to work because I, but more so because I want to work, um, you know, if I, if I get to see clients, um, and I think that real estate is going to give us that, um, that flexibility, um, and that financial freedom to kind of live our lives in the way that we, that we want. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Yeah. Do you think, you think like, as you guys, you know, continue to move forward is, are you guys going to continue to kind of be kind of active investors and, you know, kind of doing deals on your own kind of with your own savings or move into the space of, you know, raising capital and, you know, doing, continue to do smaller multifamilies or kind of continue in the passive investor role and partnering with different active operators and making your money work for you? It's definitely something we've considered both options. And I think we're always back and forth, but we made such a great team 
um, doing this and we and we learned so much through this process that I think we want to do the next one still on our own. But moving mm-hmm. forward from there, um, once we have kind of like two um, on our portfolio, on our portfolio yeah. yeah, then from there, we do want to eventually expand to even bigger multifamily. And of course, from th- there, we are going to need um, to find More partners money, yeah. and, and things of that yeah. sort. I guess, I guess it depends. Like, uh, unless I, I'd be, I'd be pretty hesitant to just kind of give money to somebody to invest on my behalf. Absolutely. But if an opportunity arose where we could kind of raise capital through our own kind of friends and family and things like that, we might consider it. But then that kind of worries me as well because I wouldn't want to get all my friends and family to invest into something that could go wrong because, hey, there could be a crash tomorrow and it could it could hurt a lot of people and I wouldn't feel that comfortable doing that either. So for now, like Michelle said, I think we're going to keep trying to grow our little portfolio one property at a time. But if a good opportunity presented itself, I think we'd be yeah. tempted to take a look at it. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I'm definitely a little bit more ambitious in the sense that I, I can't wait to just, I guess, get like one more, one or two more of these four <laughs> unit properties and then just like really expand into bigger um yeah and that's kind of, i guess that's one of the annoying things that we couldn't do the fha hard. yeah because fha does really allow like to to get the most out of that scheme where you only have to put three percent down it makes sense to buy a fourplex because you're, you're buying the biggest possible asset using that scheme Absolutely. and uh that's why it was kind of a shame that we ended up having to put 10 percent down on this one because it, we didn't really get to take advantage of that but luckily you can do 100 you can do fha schemes more than once you can do it, it and as long as you move to a new market, you can do it again. So. And get rid of the property. Just, well, Michelle, do you still have your FHA loan then? No, because... Not in, not in Austin, but in other yeah, markets. Yeah, in other markets. Yeah. Oh, because you wind up using yours at the end of the day. Yeah. Because, got you. Okay, yeah. for this property. For this property, yeah. Got you. That makes sense. Yeah, that's rough. That That is the thing about the FHA. I tried to... So make sure you find the right lender and everything kind of is settled right because it's funny you say that because i ran into that issue when i moved from arizona when i moved from arizona to detroit um i you know my, my lender was like yeah because you're going to a new market you can use your fha again and buy buy this property you know at three and a half percent down and i was like oh wow and we you know i bought i put i i uh, put an offer in on a duplex actually and we Twenty days in to due diligence, and he goes, "Oh, they actually, uh, you actually can't use the FHAs. You actually got to put down a full twenty percent." Wow! And I was like, "Oh man!" And like, thank God I can. Hey, Matt, can you hear us now? Yeah, can you guys hear me? Yeah, 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 you're back. Nice. I was Um, was able to hear you guys, but I couldn't. I I don't know why the audio wasn't working, but it's all right. Keep going, guys. Um, and it was it was devastating, but I was thank God I was still able to actually afford it. And still you know, to put the down payment down and, and close on that property, but that is something you know. It kind of it's almost a little bit parallel to your situation, um, mm-hmm. 
finding out the last minute because that, that is that is rough and it's such a gut punch. Did they um, did they say why you couldn't use the FHA? Um, it was more of the it was the, it was on the lender. It wasn't on like me or I, I think if I would have used a, a completely different lender, um, I would have been completely fine. Um, but like it, I was so deep into the process, it's kind of like you just want to like I, I mean I was literally in the middle of the season like an nfl season and like uh, i was like i just literally want to move in somewhere yeah. like <laughs> right now <laughs> and yeah. it, it was pretty rough but it wind up uh it wind up working out thank god and uh now i'm i'm actually renting that property out up and down now yeah it's all about persistence and just not giving up yeah and like i guess in your situation again because you could afford it 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 was still worth doing. Like likewise, we we had just enough for ten percent. Any more mm -hmm. than that, we would have probably had to back out anyway. But um, I guess when you've got more equity in the in the property, whether it's ten or twenty, it's still like, it's still actually a good thing. You've not actually lost that money. It's just because of the cash flow, and it's like going into a bank account almost. Exactly. Yeah. yeah it's just a savings, long term savings account. Yeah. Exactly. Wait, so what kind, of, what kind of advice would you guys give someone if they're, you know, scared or nervous to, you know, get started in real estate? Um, I, I guess from your guys' experience, from what, what I've heard, it seems like you guys have gone through hell and back almost with a lot of your guys, you know, loans and different agents. Um, so I guess what would bring, what would bring you back? Um, I guess you really just got to crunch the math on how much money you're, you're basically flushing down the toilet on rent. And... Mm -hmm. For for us in New York, it was twenty three fifty a month times twelve for a studio. That just seemed crazy to me. And if you can basically save up enough money for a deposit, and it doesn't really need to be that much because, like, like we said, with the FHA, it's three and a half percent. So if you're in an area where you can get a property for kind of two fifty, three hundred thousand, three and a half percent isn't that much. Like you can you can save that money up, and you'll get it back almost within the year of not having to pay rent yeah and i also feel like the hardest part is over like i feel like i've conquered the world even though <laughs> I, it's, it's just such a euphoric feeling and just being able to see the it was the most amazing experience when we when we literally did nothing absolutely nothing and got like five thousand dollars in our bank account yeah, between yeah. the deposits and and the rent and then just like every month just seeing how because we we've gotten paid already two months and it's just like wow it this this was all worth it like this is that's awesome. amazing and we, re we really have pushed it to the limit of how much money you can get out of a property because the moment we basically closed and the person in the unit that moved out we airbnb the new place because our lease at our old place hadn't run out yet. So <laughs> that's why we've been Airbnb in the past two weeks before moving into the property yeah. ourselves. But then that's amazing. But then we fly to New York tomorrow because yeah. Michelle has a job in New York over the summer. <laughs> so we subleased the new place in, in uh, while yeah. we're away. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. You guys... And are you guys staying yeah, in New York yeah, for the whole August, summer? Yeah. yeah. So wow, yeah, awesome. <laughs> yeah, but, definitely. But owning a property allows you to, to really push it like that and get every penny you can get back out of it. Yeah, and be able to fly to New York, you right? Know, and 
and make <laughs> money while you're and, in New York. I mean, yeah. that's so cool. Like, sweet, very upset. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that is that is awesome though. I honestly, like, honestly, from your guys' story, right? It sounds like almost going through all those hardships have brought you to this feeling of of fulfillment, right? Because it was a headache early on, but now it's like you're oh, you're seeing sure. the Definitely. benefits of it, right? I mean, and just you know the hardest part i feel like is taking the first step because now i i we have a team you know we know so much it, it's just so much easier you know i i now i can look at houses and kind of just immediately crunch numbers like it, it everything becomes more automatic yeah when you've looked at so many different options and you're looking at property prices and what their rents are and everything else it is just so much easier now because you can just just looking at it in within the first five minutes, you know whether it's going to cash flow or not just by the area it's in and the property price. Yeah, and online there's a bunch of right. um, calculators for that, like return on investment calculators, because we're not like the best people at math, <laughs> so um, <laughs> we definitely used a lot of online resources for all of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you do? You do you guys like using the bigger pockets? Uh, yeah, yeah we, we've used that yeah, one. Yeah, we've used that one. We, we, the main one we used actually was um, okay. our original mortgage lenders calculator. Yeah. It was an Excel spreadsheet, which basically we just plugged the numbers into and it was really handy. Has all the formulas already plugged yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the best. Yeah, the the bigger pockets one was, was good. It's just the the ones that the mortgage lenders give you actually is even more accurate obviously because there's actually the rates and everything, everything that's current it, yeah absolutely and i guess that's the, awesome. one of the lessons that we and what we always kept in mind is that when you're looking at cash flow you know you you should always put two to three hundred dollars aside per month um just for any possible of things that could go wrong that things that can which go already wrong. have kind of started happening yeah the first <laughs> day the first day we yeah li the literally the first day we got the keys the ac unit for one of the units started leaking to the the, the unit below so we so we got to go out to fix that it was like a tiny issue that we now we know about it we could easily fix ourselves yeah and then there was a there was a hornet's nest like all over the property as well <laughs> yeah. so so things do pop up but all part of the got, process yeah we got really lucky in that honestly um uh, none of them charged us they all consider it consultation so yeah the ac guy didn't charge the, us, the so. ac guy didn't charge us either no one really charged us but now we have contacts because that's another thing that I realized. I mean, we literally have only um, had this properly for a very short time, but just having people on a team, like having a, a on call repair people, on call, yeah, you know, handyman, handyman um, like plumbers, people you can trust to come, um, especially if you're going to be away. So, I was grateful that it happened immediately because now we have a team of like four people um, that are on call while we're in New York City. That's awesome. Those systems that you can put into place kind of um, effectively make things a lot easier. You know, when I first started with my first property, I was living in and, and, and I was living, live in uh, managing it and playing in the NFL. I did not 
to make it the easiest thing. And me personally, I didn't want to be that last point of contact to, you know, make the decision of, oh, I can't pay rent. Like what happens next? Like I can't, you know what I mean? Like I don't want to be the person that has to evict them. So the mistake that I made was, was managing it. But once you hire that kind of third party property management and, or implement the systems of having a handyman, having a team in place, having systems available for when X goes wrong, what happens? It yeah, kind of makes the whole process a lot more headache free and running your your business like a business and not like a hobby. For sure, and uh, we 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 have a friend that might property manage, but it, it, we're not we're not entirely sure about this because basically, we we have quite a bit of land around the fourplex as well. Like it's got a very big car park and like a, a bit of garden down the side by the house. Mm-hmm. And our friend that's been like, we met him here in Austin. He. He's a really nice guy and he's been looking into tiny homes. So, mm. you know, the kind of like container out- homes, like the drop home. Yeah. Kind of like that. So he's look. he's been looking at those and he basically said they managed the fourplex for us when, if, and when we move, if he can put his tiny home on our land. So like we're looking into potentially doing that as well. Yes. It, it, that is it, interesting. If you look into maybe look into the town zoning with it, that's, that could be uh yeah, apparently so he, as long as he, he did all the research for us, and yeah, as yeah. long as we fence it in, I think I think it'll be all right. But yeah, I'm just not sure how how keen the tenants will be on that. But absolutely, I think I mean, I feel like if you keep everything up kept and and well, probably mm-hmm. shouldn't have really no issue with it. That's that's pretty awesome though. You guys seem to be uh, getting creative at every angle that you can, and that that's always great because that's the beauty of real estate. It's not just a, it's not just black and white vanilla. It's it it's very very just creative as you want it to be yeah and one thing to point out again with you know first time um home buyers or you know any advice we are not handy people at all (laughs) oh my god we it's actually getting embarrassing because we're scared of like every bug and insect and we just run and self-awareness is critical yeah, so and, I was just gonna say that. Around, so, like, they see us like running away constantly. Yeah. Hornets' nests are no joke. Yeah, they're scary. <laughs> they are scary. Oh, I'm but, sure. You know. Look, miss, don't don't put yourself like. Look, trust me. A lot of people are scared of hornets. I would not be a fan either. So don't don't yeah, make no, yourself feel bad. But then the cable guy was like, "Come on, guys. You live in Texas. You now. live in Texas. <laughs> like he just like, braided it for us, but." you know that really didn't stop us we know that that's gonna come you know but that that's why there's task rabbit we we use task rabbit for different handiwork um we could just hire you know out as long as you have that um in that money aside as long as your property is you crunch the numbers properly your your property is cash flowing where you can actually afford to budget for it, budget for it basically yeah. um and that's kind of what we're gonna do honestly task rabbit in the past months have been has been amazing um for things like that i think it's really important what you said there is that you know a lot of people kind of back to um you know Matt's question about advice if people are scared and nervous to get started. One of the hurdles I think people that holds a lot of people back is what you just said is, you know, you guys aren't the most handiest people out there and people think like, oh, I don't know how to, you know, fix a toilet. I don't know how to handle 
an electrical issue. I don't know how to, you know, handle a boiler has a, a something that goes wrong with it. But, you know, I think you guys are living proof of you don't necessarily need that. You can utilize different resources like PassRabbit um, and set up your system. So when issues come across, you know, you've already properly budgeted for them and it gets taken care of whenever they arise. Yeah, definitely. And also apparently Home Depot, according um, to this guy we met, offers free classes. So we're going to try to learn very like basics, you know, <laughs> basics. But, um, you know, when in doubt, I mean, we yeah, we still have plumbers and task rabbit and everything else. Yeah, that's amazing. Networking. I think that's awesome that that's you guys huge. still push through. I mean, through. we've networked with so yeah. many different people, and that's kind of how it led us to um, have our repair guys and and backups of the repair guys and backups of the and backups and, and property manager and and you know everyone just and and networking just means just for me. I mean, personally, just being really nice to people and and friendly. I like that. You know, just being a good person you know <laughs> because then then people reciprocate that um i love that it it's almost like that's not a common thing anymore right it's like you gotta <laughs> right it's, it's awesome that you said that though um but i think honestly to you guys point right it's like some people might use like what you guys said right not being people that like to get their hands dirty and do it like a lot of people will use that as like an excuse to be like no i can't get into real estate because of that right I just think I love how you guys didn't let that be like something that stopped you from still pursuing this because now like you're really seeing the benefits of, you know, owning that first property and, and being able to go to New York and not worry about, you know, your, your situation in, in, with the fourplex. Um, I think it's just like that, that face of fear, the other side of that fear is, you know, that pure joy and happiness yeah. that you can get out of it, right? And I think that your guys' story and the, and the realization that, that the possibilities awesome. now are endless. Yeah. Um, I think we're going to transition now into our we call this the two-minute drill, um, where we're going to fire off a couple of questions back and forth. Um, shouldn't really take too long. You kind of just kind of go off of what kind of hits the top of your mind at first, or even if you want to you can answer each question um you guys can each answer each question on your own um because i think they're they're actually more of personalized questions now that i think about it um first question is for each of you guys what is your favorite failure Ooh, um favorite failure hmm. that's a difficult one <laughs> yeah, I don't really fail much. Yeah. <laughs> or even like a failure that you overcome, like something that I just looking from the outside in from you would I'd see is, you know, not getting approved for your FHA and then overcoming that and actually yeah, making that's, it happen. That's a, that's a great suggestion actually. That that was a pretty epic failure in terms of how it felt at the time. I think for Ian is definitely um the the getting creative um and using his his sales to kind of you know get what he wants <laughs> and when he fails <laughs> is that a failure <laughs> 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 i love that <laughs> no, no i feel like because every time he fails at something it can he just kind of 
He can finesse. He finesse, exactly. <laughs> he can finesse. <laughs> hey, all salespeople are like that. You gotta yeah. find a way. Um, so that's for him. I mean, for me, I think um, it is when I when I can't figure something like okay, for example, in real estate, I think when when we couldn't figure out what market or things were too expensive, um, just the I like to research. <laughs> so um, being able to kind of research and and read it to kind of get out of whatever it is like even if I'm depressed I'll just read a book on on happiness or or anything um mm. that's kind of what I do when when I feel like I'm failing at something I just use I like knowledge that. to kind of bring myself back up yeah that's awesome. I would say it's better than than dwelling, right? And then sitting there watching, binge watching yeah. the show or something. So I'm glad that that's yeah. what you use, Michelle. That's awesome. I'm, I guess that kind of perfectly leads into this next question, which is, uh, what's your guys' top book that you like to give to a family member or an employee? Ooh, that that one's partner? easy. How to Win Friends and Influence People. Dale Carnegie. It's a good one. I love it. And for me, it's The Alchemist. Oh, man. I love okay. that book. What's yeah. up? That's by... Uh, Paul Coelho. Yeah, Paulo Coelho, man. Paulo and, Coelho. Oh my gosh, yeah, that, that is a book beautiful is amazing. Book. I mean, that book is literally our story. I mean, you oh, know, that's for, a beautiful thing. Yeah. So, and it's just it resonates with any situation in anyone's life. You know, just so many lessons. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, oh, I haven't read sure. that. I'm gonna have to. That's I'm gonna put of, that on my list to, to read books. that. Next. That's a good book. Instead of watching like <laughs> Netflix or go to sleep, like I'd, I'd read a chapter of that every yes. night because it really it exercises mm. your your fictional not your fictional side of your brain, but you're just creative, fictional, not fantasy, okay. but just like I can't explain it. You, it's that it, you you're gonna feel good every time you put that book down and pick it up. And I think like the biggest lesson from it, and awesome. and again back to the real estate, is just you know, when things fall on you, when the universe, when the universe conspires to help you, you know, mm. and all the trials and tribulations is to just take you to that greater goal. You know, you don't realize it at the time, but yeah, at the time when we lost the first fourplex, we, were, we could have just been like, oh, fuck, there's no getting out of it now. We may as well just move on. That's yep. good. Or even when the mortgage fell through, we could have been like, mm. oh, there's no point. We could just give it and just stop trying but then we pushed on yeah exactly the universe is working with you to reach the greater goal because there's something bigger and better for you absolutely i love that honestly i'm, I'm like big about that too michelle so <laughs> now that you said that and hakeem vows for it too i'm gonna definitely i'm gonna read that and i'm gonna let you guys know yeah um, definitely i look okay. forward to it um so so when you guys awesome. are you know busy as hell overwhelmed what do each of you guys do to reset yourself well for me it's video games i read a very deep book or anything like that i, uh, I, I shoot some kids online but like <laughs> <laughs> what, what games do you play uh, I, I, I love play it. Halo most of my life, but these okay. days it's Apex. <laughs> yeah, it's a great game, great game. That's awesome. And what about you, Michelle? 
I mean, honestly, you know, I do, <laughs> I do need to work on that because to reset myself, I actually like to think of ideas. Like I like to. Just, you, de- you delve into another. I delve task. into another deep task to take me away from what's overwhelming me. She's a workaholic. Mm. So, like for example, if like if there's okay, for example, the house, right? Like, oh my god, you know, it it, it was overwhelming me, and it was, so I kind of I'll delve in more into um, reading about you know communication disorders to help in in my job or something like that it's kind of taking me away from what i do but still delving into something else that's Absolutely. because it's all i i feel like as long if i if i feel like i'm self-improving i still feel like a little better about myself but i do need to find something that's just completely relaxing and i know that's i need to do that 100 percent, 100 that's awesome <laughs> um all right guys so next one is do you guys love real estate or do you more enjoy like the freedom and the opportunity that it provides you i love real estate to be honest um i didn't realize i loved real estate until i started doing real estate it's really weird i i initially did it for the freedom but hgtv is I love that show. It's one of my <laughs> favorites. And just seeing how creative. I didn't think about real estate in the sense of creativity. But it, to see how creative you can be, um, just, yeah, it just made me love it. Okay, awesome. What about you? Um, I, I'm doing it more for the financial aspects, but I do enjoy seeing kind of the results kind of thing. I, I like I, the end goal is definitely mm-hmm. been worth all the work. That's amazing. That's okay. awesome. And then, okay, how about best book? As you, I'm sure you, because you guys are, you know, you guys are new. You just closed on your first property. What would you say your best book is that you guys would recommend based on real estate? Hmm. I mean, every the book that obviously rich dad poor dad is the one that um, a lot of people like and it's a it was it's a it's a it's a good book i I didn't love it as much as a lot of other people have but Mm -hmm. um i don't know i think for for me i'm i'm more of a a visual learner than a kind of a a reading learner so Mm -hmm. for me a lot of youtube videos were really beneficial um gotcha i I subscribe to a bunch of different real estate guys anybody specific that's your favorite I actually really like one guy Kevin. called Meet Kevin. Meet Kevin. Never yeah, heard of Meet Kevin. He's a he's a he's a crazy character, um, but he's definitely <laughs> got a lot of wisdom to share around both kind of real estate investing and kind of different lo- a lot of different areas. But um, a lot of his videos were really beneficial when we were kind of starting out. And there's another. That's actually. There's another You're one, going, uh, Graham Stephen or Graham something. I, I might have to double check that and let you guys know. But yeah, he's the other guy. That's awesome. Yeah, Rich awesome. Dad Poor Dad was the book that really helped me think differently about shift your mindset. Yeah, different mindset. Um, so that's why I really am grateful for that book, even though Ian and I 
don't see but you know you you take the important things from from everything you know you take so 100 i i mean I'm, I'm with you on that michelle i think it's more the mindset yeah. switch that that book provides right it's not really like Oh, yeah, this is the plan for you to go into practical guide. It's very it'll shift your mindset, and then exactly. I think then you go into now you should go delve deep into bigger pockets or into meet Kevin videos and things like that. Right. Yep. Yeah. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Um. All right, guys. So, what's your guys' favorite way to give back? Oh. Um. I I don't know. What do you? Well, you you. you kind of give back in your daily job yeah so. i feel like i'm yeah, a speech and, pathologist that's a that's, I, that's, I like, done for you. that's I like daily just like literally giving money to be like not like just giving money to people but mm. it doesn't have to always come in that form you know yeah but like because like i don't know it just when people are hustling like i come from new york city so mm -hmm. I'm constantly seeing people like hustle, like like on the subway, you know, dancing, like whatever no it is. And for me, that's my favorite. Like when I can, when I give like money to people that are it feels up, good. Like, yeah, like literally yesterday. Oh yeah. Oh my Austin. god. Yeah, this guy was just like. He was dancing. He was body popping body. in the in, in, no, in Austin. <laughs> like a hundred degrees. Yeah, a hundred degree heat, and I and but he was amazing. He was so good. And he's you know? also doing it mm. for a great cause. It was his daughter had uh, cerebral palsy, and he basically just wanted to send her to wow. Disney World. And I'm like, how could you not like help this guy? Yeah, and we even chatted to him. We weren't sure if he was just like it was like a sub story or anything, but like we we got to talking with him, and he was a very genuine dude. So, but like I just respect so much when people are just like hustling and and just trying to. You know, I love that. get get up. We need to all it's help that, each other, like you know. Yeah, it's that New York. I mean, I, I, my my dad's from the Queens, and I grew up in New York as well. And it's like there's something different about that New York hustle. To your point, Michelle, and it's like when you do see that in other places, and if that's like your way of giving back, yeah, that I think that's awesome. awesome because that hustle, it's it's different. It's like a different type of mentality and grit that involves with that because it's you're really starting yeah. from nothing, you know. Yeah, exactly. So. Oh, how about um, you? Ian? It's a lot of similar things. Like I, I, I try and be as generous, generous as I possibly can in my day-to-day -day life. If anybody needs any kind of help, or whether it's our family or friends or anybody, um, any little thing I can do, I always try and help somebody out. I think That's in awesome. the same way. Like I think awesome. that when you see people like with dreams or this and that, like you do, like that's your favorite way to help too. I yeah. think. That's amazing. Um, okay, so what what would you guys say is your most important daily habit that makes it each of you guys effective? I think for me is definitely, which I I need to I have a whole routine. I actually have a chronic. Um, I suffer from chronic migraines um, condition, so it's like really bad. So for me, just meditation. I have a daily journal. Um, the happiness journal is called. I don't always write in it, but um, I try to every day. Um, humidifiers, um, you know, just kind of being zen um, <laughs> for for a little bit um, yeah. is really important. Just to kind of clear your mind from everything, um, and 
having really good breakfast, taking care of your health, you know, just, mm. just, it's so important that regardless of how many properties you want or how ambitious you want to be in the end of the day, like if your health is not there um, and your, and your soul and your spirit is not being fed, it'll all go to waste anyway. Yeah. And you'll burn yeah, out. And for? you'll burn yeah. out. So just creating, like today we purchased um, uh, like daily, um, like uh, yeah, kind of like a diary. Inspirational yeah. quotes. Oh, inspirational. The quotes. the quotes, just you know, I think medit. So just constantly working on your soul, as well as your your health. Yeah, is super important Absolutely. to be effective. I love that. I love that. I wish I went first. I have a daily news briefing that I read through called Quartz QZ. It just basically keeps me informed about all the daily news. <laughs> <laughs> it keeps you sharp. Yeah, exactly. You have some really interesting stories on there as well. That's amazing. Um, so we're, we're going to kind of close up there and we kind of want to give you guys the opportunity to tell our audience what's the best way to reach out to you and learn more about you guys, whether that's social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, email address. Um, yeah, we've got a, we've got an Instagram that was started out for one of a, we had a side hustle, which was kind of an Amazon <laughs> business. Uh, or just give the email. Yeah. The well. email probably <laughs> yeah uh, our Instagram is Michelle Ian underscore. Underscore, yeah. Yeah, and then... so we've combined our names, Michelle and Ian, to make Michelian, which is M I C H E L L I A N underscore. I love it, Michelian. And that's our Instagram hashtag. Our email address is Michelian Ltd at gmail dot com, which is M I. C H E L L I A N L T D at gmail.com. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, Perfect. great. Well, we really, really appreciate you guys coming out and uh, being a guest with us on the REI Marathon podcast. We really thank you guys for sharing your story. Number Episode two. two. <laughs> awesome. Number two. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a great birthday. Oh, and happy, and happy birthday awesome. once again. Glad we were able to celebrate. Glad you could celebrate with us. Uh, thanks. <laughs>